continuing in the year-long theme of grace and truth, and this month, talking through kind of a mini-series, mini-series, <laughs> on uh, Could We Be Wrong? As part of the truth, investigating, hey, maybe, you know, let's just ask ourselves, could we be wrong about some of these basic ideas, basic doctrines, basic beliefs of Christianity? I think uh, last week they talked about the Bible. Was that here? I wasn't here last week. Uh, and um, today I'm going to be talking about, you know, could we be wrong about Genesis? And let's just ask that question and look at the information. Uh, I think a better way to ask the question is, can we trust the book of Genesis? Can we trust what's written there? And the problem that we encounter when we start asking that question is, well, what is it about Genesis that we're supposed to believe? There's a lot of information in there. And, and, and what are we supposed to believe? And, and then the realization that, you know what? Genesis <coughs> is a big book. It's 50 chapters. I actually learned some Bible trivia. Uh, it's it's uh, not... I, I've been around studying the Bible and the pastor for over 30 years, 35 years. <laughs> so I know most of the stuff. But um, what's the longest book in the Bible? It's a little echoey. Uh, Steve, I don't know why. It sounds echoey. Psalms. Wrong. Psalms has the most chapters. But not the most words or even letters. Someone counted all the Hebrew letters. And so, guess what the longest book in the Bible is? Nope! <laughs> Jeremiah! And it's so sad to read. <laughs> it's like everybody knows one verse. <laughs> There's a hope for you. <laughs> Jeremiah is the longest book in the Bible. Next to that is Genesis. And then Psalms. Psalms has the most chapters, but some of those chapters are really small. Um, but most of the... So Genesis is the second longest book in the Bible. It's 50 chapters, but... By golly, those first two chapters is what everybody argues about. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is the purpose of Genesis? And how do we integrate this ancient book written so long ago into our 21st century modern lives? And really, does it matter? Well, the answer to that is yes. Genesis is very significant. It matters a lot. Uh, but we need to understand it in the context that it was written. The creation story, listen up please, is about theology, not geology. Okay? If you want to know how to build a computer, you don't go out and buy a book on gardening. <laughs> no matter how much you study that book on gardening, you're never going to figure out a computer. Right? And so the same idea applies with Scripture. The creation story was written to teach us theology about God and our relationship with Him, not about geology. And so when we use it for the wrong purpose, it, it, it creates uh, problems. The purpose is not to answer 21st century science questions, but universal theological questions. Theological questions that can apply to everyone living anywhere at any time. And chapters 1 through 3 are best understood as a poem. Because that's what they are. They were written in a form of Hebrew poetry 
They are not a textbook. And so <clears throat> the thing is, some things are communicated much better, more accurately in a poem uh, than it is in a, a statement of just facts. But in the 21st century, 20th and 21st century, we put such a high degree of value. In fact, most people say is, uh, think that truth equals accurate information. But accurate information doesn't always depict the bigger picture of truth. This is just so much. And so it's, it's, it's written as a poem, as a story, to communicate what actually happened um, in a way to accomplish the purpose. Also, please keep in mind that that creation story was told in a way that could be repeated and understood throughout thousands of years in countless cultures and different languages. I think that's a miracle. It's absolutely astounding that God was able to inspire a story because we, we don't know when it was originally written. We know certainly by the time of Moses, it was in written form. And most likely, uh, many years previous to Moses, it was already in written form. But for how many hundreds or thousands of years, it was transmitted verbally, orally, around the campfire. Fathers telling their children, grandfathers telling their grandchildren this story of where we came from. And so it's this very short, think of it. God was able to communicate the origin of the entire universe, mankind, all of creation, and the fall, and the problem of evil in three short chapters. Less text than you have in a simple document to explain how to work, you know, a toaster or your oven, you know, the manual to operate something like that, to put together something from Ikea. <laughs> right. God explains how he put together the whole universe in these two little chapters. And then how mankind fell in, in chapter three. And so it's unbelievable to me that uh, the, 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 the uh, supernatural divine wisdom of God. And we need to understand that that's what was recorded and, and that will enable us to understand it better. And then of course, Genesis is about our origin. The origin story. An origin story is a very important thing. Um, if you meet someone, Usually one of the first things that comes up is, hey, where, where are you from? You know, why do we ask that? Why do we want to know that? Because when we find out where someone's from, it tells us a whole bunch about them. We can understand what they're saying better and what their ideology is. Someone that grew up in inner city Detroit is gonna, is gonna be totally different than someone that grew up in, in rural Upper uh, Peninsula in the UP, eh? Yeah. <laughs> They're going to talk different, eh? <laughs> and so it, it tells us uh, where we're from, origin stories. Um, it's funny, I was in Brazil earlier this year, and I was talking about the importance of uh, origin story, and it was in a different context. It was in, it was in this message, with the same idea. And uh, I was like 10 minutes into the message, and finally someone from the front row stood up and, says, and, and said something to the interpreter. 
Uh, and he thought I was saying orange story. <laughs> you need to know your orange story. Everyone has an orange story. This is going on and on. I didn't know. It was Portuguese. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so for the rest of the, that week, that was the joke. <laughs> so, you know your orange story? No, our origin. Where will we come from? <clears throat> and so origin stories. Many companies really uh, repeat their origin story if you're a uh, um, uh, a new company, uh, that's a part of what, what you learn to communicate to get people to buy in. And uh, I read magazines about uh, businesses and entrepreneurs and knowing the origin story of a company or even a town, uh, wherever I go, people tell me about their town. You know, how many times have you heard Kalamazoo was the place Gibson Guitars started? You know, it's like, well, who cares? They're not even here anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, but a, and this started here, and that started here, and you know, you know, and so because it gives some history. Most people know the story of uh, Apple computers. Uh, how many know, uh, you know, where Steve Jobs started out at? Garage. Yeah, the garage. Right, the big ride at Disney World, the one that looks like a golf ball, uh, spaceship Earth. <clears throat> On that ride, they actually have a depiction of the garage with a young man setting a, a computer. And so that origin story of that company is actually part of the fabric of um, uh, modern America and really the uh, modern life. And so, wow, that's powerful. Turns out they were only in that garage, I, if I remember correctly, just a few months. But they really play that story because it, it has a meaning. <clears throat> and so um, origin stories shape our identity and because it shapes our identity, it has an effect in our future. And Genesis has all the information needed to accomplish its purpose, which is to inform us, and anyone that uh, reads it, to inform us of the origin of the universe, the origin, where we come from as a, as a people, and where everything came from. But also, it includes the problem of sin and evil and the effects of it, and more importantly, it includes the promise of redemption. It's all right there. Actually, in the first three chapters, it's, it's, it's communicated so incredibly well. And so it doesn't have the answers to all of our questions, though. Because right? it wasn't written. Its purpose is not to answer all of your questions. I would love to know how those dinosaur bones got buried in the earth. It doesn't answer that, right? Because that doesn't apply to its purpose. It's not going to help me know Jesus, understand, and have a relationship with, with God. How, how, did, how did the stars get out there and, 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 and it takes uh, millions if not billions of years for the light to get from that star to the earth, but we can see it, and so how does that all work? I have no idea. I don't need to know that information to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I don't need to that information to know my origin. All right? Can we trust the creation story? Absolutely. Yes, we can trust it. I trust it wholly, completely, 100%. But I trust it only to answer the questions for which it was written. It doesn't answer questions that it wasn't written to answer. And, and we can come up with a lot of questions, but it only answers the questions it was written. And so the primary question is who? Who's behind all this? Not how. 
Can you imagine how long it would take God to actually explain how he did everything? <laughs> and if he did, do you think you'd understand it? No. No human alive could understand it. And, and, and in trying to, to, to explain it, it would be counterproductive. And so he condensed it down in a story that everyone can understand. Anybody could understand the story. Uh, so I'm just going to tackle this thing. I've skirted around it for so many years. Young Earth, older. So many people are so passionate about this. And when someone gets passionate about an idea and they, they get so worked up that they think that, you know, your, your eternal, eternal life is based on whether or not you think the Earth is less than 10,000 years old uh, or, you know, you're an idiot if you don't think the Earth is millions or billions of years old. And so that's the difference between young Earth and old Earth. And there are some voices that are really loud about the young earth and that the Bible says it was created within uh, 10,000 years. If you don't believe that, you're not a Christian. Um, but I'm sorry, Christianity is not based on the age of the earth. It's based on a relationship with Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for our sins. All right? And so let's, 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 let's just talk about this a little bit. All right? <clears throat> and I'm not going to tell you what I believe. I'm just talking about the issue. Uh, this is not a new debate. Augustine, who died in 430 AD, did not believe Genesis referred to six 24-hour days. In fact, if you read some of his quotes, you will be offended. <laughs> and so I'm not actually going to quote him, but he actually uh, ridicules people who did that. But that doesn't mean he didn't believe in the inspiration of Scripture. Augustine, uh, pretty much every doctrine of Christianity in the church today, Augustine influenced. Right? Seriously, there's not any part of theology that he didn't have some influence. His writings were uh, as formative in the early church's uh, understanding of, of doctrine as the writings of Paul, though he gave definition. He didn't come up with the term Trinity, but his book on the Trinity is what uh, the church has looked to for centuries as the definition. And so nobody doubts whether or not Augustine was a believer and believed in Scripture. He helped the rest of the world understand Scripture, but uh, this debate was going way back in the 400s. And, uh, and he didn't believe it. <clears throat> that was six literal days. But then we have to ask, well, what is a day? What, 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 what is a day? Because, you know, Genesis 1 talks about the six days of creation. In Hebrew, as in English, the word day can mean a 24-hour period or an extended period of time. In Hebrew, the word is yom. And so in the first yom, God did this. Second yom, God did that. And that can mean, in the Strong's Dictionary, a day, whether literal, from sunrise to sunset, or as a Jewish, uh, Jewish uh, culture, was from sunset to the next sunset, or figuratively, as a space of time. So the definition of the word yom, or day, can mean an age or an eon. All right? a, a length of time that had a beginning, a morning, and an end, an evening. And so that was an, it could, equally could mean one 24-hour uh, period or an extended period of time, and both are accurate and literal translations of the word. And the same thing in English. Back in the day. Well, what day? Well, you know, back in the day. Well, well like February 1st, 1957? No, no, more, you know, just back in the day when I was young. What, what, what 1965? No, just back in the day. 
<laughs> or it's a new day. You know, we're not talking about well, just one day. I'm sorry, that was yesterday. It's, it, it was a new day. <laughs> it means a new era, a new time. A new, uh, and so that word is interchangeably. And if you, if you argue vehemently that it only means one thing, you are just arguing against the dictionary. Okay? The, the meaning of the word is the meaning of the word. Um, the literal interpretation of Genesis can be either a 24-hour period or an era. And if you get more, if you try to nail it down to one or the other, you actually can't. That information is not in the Bible. Now, this is where the sticking point happens. People that uh, have a difficulty uh, accepting, uh, you know, the six 24-hour days as we know them uh, being the what is addressed in Genesis chapter 1, think, and if you don't believe in the six literal days, if you don't believe in young earth, then you must believe in evolution. Evolution is a completely different discussion. Evolution is a new idea. It's only 160 years ago that Darwin wrote, wrote that book. Right? The idea that uh, 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 you know, one species developed in another species, that's, that's a whole other idea. And so people that teach that as a religion, that's wrong. Okay? You can consider it as an idea, but that doesn't mean that's true. All right? And so we just we did separate the idea of the planet might be millions of years old from the idea of evolution. I in no way believe, I think evolution is bad science. Okay? It's stupid. You know, it's, it's just like, it's depressing. I didn't say it. I started to say it, but I didn't say it. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it doesn't give hope. It doesn't have any meaning, but what creation has such meaning and purpose. Um, and then we have this, this little problem. A lot of Christians don't even know this. Genesis has two creation stories, all right? Uh, Genesis 1, of course, goes through the six days of creation, and man is created last, <coughs> right? That's one we all know. But then Genesis 2, verse 4 starts out, this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day, singular yom, same word, the Lord made heavens and earth. <gasps> I thought he made it in six days. Genesis. That very word to me in the general figurative sense of in the time period in which God made. Well, was it six days or was it one day? It was just in that time period. No, well, was it six days or one day? Was when God made it. Alright? So it may have been six literal days. It may have been six seconds. Who knows? And, and I respect whichever you believe. In Genesis uh, chapter 2, Adam is created first. Then God creates the plants. And then God forms out of the dust of the ground each of the animals and brings them to Adam to name. And the last of all creation is Eve. It's almost the reverse order of Genesis chapter 1. Which one do you believe? Which one is right? They're both right. They're both 100% accurate. Because they both give us information to know our origin. It's exactly like the Gospels. If you compare the four Gospels, there's a lot of things that are similar. But especially in, the, in the certain times, especially the resurrection, which happens to be the most important doctrine yeah. of the Christian faith. If you compare the resurrection story in each of the four Gospels, 
people get really confused. Because in one, somebody gets to the grave first, and the other, somebody else gets there first. In one, there's two angels. In the other one, there's one angel. In one, they're standing. In one, they're sitting. Yeah. It's like, what's going on here? God provides different accounts of the same event so that we have more information and we can know what's important. And the information that varies, that doesn't correlate, that we don't understand how it works together, is the information that's not important. It's not important uh, how many <coughs> days or how that day is defined. Uh, what's important <coughs> is what's clear. And what's clear is God made the earth. The main point is God created all things by his power according to his purpose. No doubt about that. How he did it? No idea. That he did it? No doubt whatsoever. That our origin is not random chance. It's the, that there is a personal God that was personally involved in creating everything that there is. And, he, and he, was, he, was, he was in it. And he formed mankind. And he formed the animals with his very hands. Was that literal hands? I don't know. But God did it. Yes. That's amazing. Amen. That, that mankind's condition is the result of violating God's intention and the influence of evil. Right from the very first story, we learn that. The reason that there's suffering in the earth is that we violated God's purpose and that there was evil influencing us. These are the big ideas that's introduced in the very beginning of Genesis and they provide the theme for the whole book of the Bible. And when you read a book, you, you start at the beginning and it sets the tone, sets the direction, introduces the main characters and the theme. And that's, the same, that's exactly what Genesis does. It introduces the main characters, the theme, the important ideas, and it builds from that. God, mankind, evil, and redemption, salvation. Division over specifics that are essential limits our ability to communicate the essentials. Right? And this is where I think it's a strategy of the enemy. And it's just human nature that if you believe something passionately, you'll defend it. But sometimes we end up just arguing about stuff that's not the point. And there's a whole category of things that I won't argue. I, won't, I basically just avoid the discussion. I call them things Christians argue about. <laughs> and people will come up and say, what, what, Pastor, what do you think about this idea? I say, oh, well, that, that's just things Christians argue about. <laughs> and they go, what do you mean? So oh, it's just things Christians argue about. Let them argue. Now, I'm more concerned about the people who are not Christians that are going to end up in hell separated from God eternally because they don't know the, the essentials. All right? And it's okay to disagree. Man, if you and him, I love the guy. All right? I don't know of another, the other side of the argument who represents the other side of the argument that's a Christian. I don't know the names. <laughs> All right? It's okay to love and respect someone that has an opinion that differs. Oh, I know this guy, this astrophysicist. Like, I know an astrophysicist. Um, well, he's a good guy. I know, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I got to know him when he was a kid and he grew up giving astrophysicists. And now, like three sentences into a conversation, I'm totally lost. He just uses words I don't understand. He went to Kelvin College for his undergrad. Now he's a believer. But he really understands, like, time and space and all the things that you read about and these muons and gluons and all that stuff. And he doesn't have a problem believing that, uh, you know, a scientific worldview and embracing a passionate love for Jesus and the, a love for the Word. And so if there's a conflict, it's because it's a conflict we've created. Uh, and then remember that there's 50 chapters in Genesis, and all of it can be trusted, and all of it is important. Every important doctrinal issue or idea can be found in some form in Genesis. And most can be found in the first three chapters. Um, especially the promise of Messiah, which is the main point, the big idea of Scripture. That the problem with mankind, suffering and evil, uh, would be crushed by the descendant of, of Eve. That through her seed, the enemy would be crushed. And that's speaks of Jesus Christ, who came, God in the flesh, and took upon himself the penalty for not only Adam's sin, but all of Adam's descendants. He took on the, the penalty and died on a cross. And that was the biting of the heel, the heel. When God said to the serpent that you will bite his heel, but he will crush your head. Right? And so Jesus suffered the pain of death, but it couldn't keep him down. It was only a wound uh, because he was without sin and he was God in the flesh and was able to overpower the enemy and crush his head. And it's, and it's through faith in Jesus Christ that we're set free from that evil and the sin and the bondage that came in at the beginning of the story. Yeah. And so that's what the story sets us up to talk about. In some ways, Jesus, uh, Genesis is one of the most important books. We need to understand it for its purpose. So you may ask, you know, what, what is that purpose? It's so that each of us, I challenge you, that each of us uh, um, develop a theology of creation that primarily communicates the character of God and the promise of redemption. Because that's what people need to hear. Yeah. And if you find yourself arguing about the other stuff, learn how to change the conversation. I do not argue with evolutionists about evolution. I very quickly say, well, how does that make you feel? Or what about you, you know? You know and, 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 and steer the conversation. Or what I found is that I don't understand all of that and the history and the bones they dig up, but I know that my life was changed when I realized that Jesus Christ was true and he was real, and when I accepted him, mm. I life changed. I understood the world in a different way. Redemption, yeah. okay? But if you argue about the details, see, anytime you're arguing, <coughs> division is always um, the evidence that the enemy is at work. The devil brings division. You see that right from the verse? He divided Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve from God. Cain and Abel, murder, very quickly comes into the scene, because the enemy lies. The Holy Spirit always brings unity. All right? And so if there's argument, don't give in to that. 
turn, take control, lead people to Christ in that conversation. I wish that Christians were as adept at talking about um, science and creation in a way that led people to challenge their understanding of who Jesus was so that they could accept Jesus and, and live eternally with us in heaven rather than argue about the details of how old the earth is. Um, take time to read, study, and understand the whole of the Genesis. Uh, don't, don't skip over it or just believe something because I said it or some book said it. You need to be Bereans. Study and, and see for yourself how it all fits together. Because uh, beyond the first three chapters, it then introduces so much of what is the uh, what it means to be a human, and then the whole setup to uh, the uh, God selecting Abram and, and choosing him as the uh, uh, um, the originator of the Hebrew nation and why uh, all leads up through the stories in Genesis. So it's a very important book, and any one of those pages, any one of those stories, you should be able to identify in that story what speaks of Jesus Christ what speaks of the promised Messiah how does this apply to us today and then don't judge those who understand things differently no if someone understands it differently that's great let's keep the main thing the main thing and the main thing is understanding that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins and saved us from the uh, curse that was brought on us in that uh, ancient story of a man and his wife uh, 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 disagreeing about what they were going to have for dinner. Huh? <laughs> you know, that, isn't that, the story is so relatable. Any culture and how some other influence comes in and whispers. Keep the main thing the main thing. God was personally involved. He did it. Uh, he was in control. It was done according to his purpose for his purpose, and, and that we fit into that purpose, and that every man, woman, and child on planet Earth fits into the story. It's our story. It's our origin. We're going to continue this series next week, and Jimmy's going to talk about the validity of Jesus. Can we trust that Jesus is who the Bible says he is? So please come back and, and take advantage of that as we delve into, is it reliable, is it trustworthy to believe how the Bible depicts Jesus. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you that we are your creations. Lord, that we are not descendants of slime mold, <laughs> but that you've created each, each species, each one uniquely, and, and for your, it was your idea, and that your, your fingerprints are on every part of creation, and especially on mankind as we are created in your image, the most like you of everything or anything in the universe. Father, that we can reflect you. and that you, That's what you've called us to be, reflections of your image, reproductions, uh, little uh, reproductions of you. And so, Father, I pray that if there's anyone in here that's has struggled with the conflict between modern science and faith and scripture, I just pray that they would see that there's really more in agreement than there are in disagreement, that they'd see the, the big ideas, Lord, and that those big ideas would change our heart to follow you more passionately and to understand you more clearly and to communicate this message 
more thoroughly to our nation, our generation. Father, if there's anyone here that needs to make that decision, I pray that you'd move on their heart and that they would choose you. Uh, that we don't have to understand. We just have to believe and trust that you know what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right, we have